motivated? Get educated. Get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast this week. I am very excited. I've got Justin Wilkins on with me and I've been watching his journey on YouTube as I'm sure many people have and that's what sparked the interest. And then we were in the same clubhouse room and as social networking, the power of clubhouse these days, uh, we decided to get together to bring uh, you guys this awesome interview. So Justin, uh, thanks for, thanks for joining me. No, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, no bother at all. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously Clubhouse, it's a, it's a growing thing. I think uh, I'm about to embark on a, a 24-hour Airbnb marathon tonight. This will probably come out <laughs> after I've done that. But um, I think I'm scheduled for about six or seven hours of those 24 hours. And, um, you know, it's, it's amazing what people are doing with this new sort of social media channel. Um, you've had an awesome uplift on YouTube. I mean, do you want to just dive into that a bit and tell us a bit about that? I mean, it's I know how hard it is to grow a YouTube channel, so get to the numbers you've got to so quickly. Uh, I am more than impressed. So, you know, uh, <laughs> please tell us how you've done it. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah, so, I mean, when I, when I started looking for my first buy to let, I mean, being that I'm in my 20s, the first thing you do now, instead of Googling things, actually tends to be YouTubing things. I just think that's the way everything yeah. is gone. YouTube, Google, or a very similar thing. But, so, um, but I couldn't find videos that, that necessarily went into enough detail. So I'd watch people talk about how they got 30, 40 houses, how you know getting into buy today is great. But no one was saying this is how to do it from or from day one, you know, and and um, so I kind of went through that myself. Not that it's particularly that difficult, but you kind of learn as you go along, don't you? And I thought, well, yeah. So then when I bought my buy to let, I thought, right, it's a pretty good deal, and I've now learned everything. Why not share it along the way? Um, I made one or two videos, didn't wasn't that consistent, and then uh, lockdown hit. Well, actually, um, in February. 2020 i said look i'm going to go for this at least one video a month and then lockdown came in in march and perfect opportunity really it wasn't commuting uh working from home you know why not put out at least one video a week sometimes two a week and um yeah it's kind of gone from there really i think um maybe you know i'm a relatable character um <laughs> and uh because there's a lot of youngsters getting into the industry now i think so yeah yeah and it takes um I mean, fair play to, to get up to, well, you're on like 15,000 subscribers or something now. So yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and it, it is hard where I focus very much on Facebook. So YouTube's been a recent thing for me, but I know how hard it's, it's taken us to get to the poor levels that we're at on that and how much <laughs> you, you've got to go into it. But uh, yeah. So what's, um, so you're still working full time is the intention to come out of the full time job and go full time in property at some point. Yeah, it's still it's still probably a fair way away. I I actually, you know, one of those unique positions where I like the job I do and um it's not an immediate stress to get out of it, but equally with the rate things are going, that should hopefully happen at some point in in the near future or the next few years. But certainly, yeah, I I, I do enjoy what I do and I'll continue to do that whilst building up a portfolio. I just need that my side stuff to outweigh what my salary brings in at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. And what um what is are you 
actively pushing your portfolio or you're out all the time or is it just kind of fitting in as and when you're doing it and you, you know or is there an actual structure for the property business that's where i think my downfall was last year so i let what was going on just um distract me too much and i was and i was thinking oh i need to pull back i'm not gonna you know because i do want to buy by two and three and i should have done that in the second half of last year but i let what was going on I uh, read too much into it, whereas you should, I guess, continue buying the matter in the market, just, you know, stick to your fundamentals, stick to your figures. Mm. Um, so I'm back out, you know, I'm messed up north uh, in the northwest in sort of uh, Liverpool and the surrounding areas. And um, as of this year, I'm up there twice a month is the is the goal. Um, so every every other weekend-ish, um, yeah. so I, for example, going up later this week and um you know friday saturday and just try and hammer as many viewings as possible but it's easier said than done with how quickly things are going at the moment yeah yeah and how many um it's interesting that that's your strategy because i think a lot of people who work tend to use time as an excuse for not not moving their business forward so you're trying to fit it in around that how many viewings will you be aiming for on the weekends that you go up to kind of maximize your weekend i need to do 10 10 a day otherwise it's it's almost a waste of my time it takes me you know four and a half five hours to get up there i'll stay the yeah. night obviously things happen and i'll book in probably i'll try and book in 25 because i know i'll probably that'll be 20 by the time i get there and yeah. viewings are cancelled and so on. and then if any more cancel than that then any free slots i'll use to um go around and and seek out you know derelict properties and start making a note of them to do uh, direct to vendor letters um that's that's something very new that i haven't fully implemented before but that's something in because again anything hits right even zuba now it's not too late so it's getting to that point where things are, are going for so much or going so quickly that it's i'd actually prefer to get in contact with the, the landlord or the owner before that yeah 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 and what um so your viewing process you know for the, the the listeners who haven't ventured into this field yet do you have a process in place offer process follow-up process you know do you offer on everything i know some people do some people don't i do i make sure we offer on everything even if we don't want it we'll put an offer in obviously it'll be stupidly low but if it gets accepted <laughs> great um yeah, then yeah, you yeah. might change your mind on whether you want it or not but i know some investors don't operate like that what's kind of where do you fit in that model yeah funnily enough um going going hell for leather this year and that's perhaps my downfall again in the past you know i've been up to liverpool in this i recall weekends where i'd um or you know when i'd got for two or three days i'd view between 15 and 30 houses and i'd only come back and make two offers um and um looking back now that was a severe waste of time and, and actually i could have done more i think i was just potentially wasn't looking at it in a way in which you should always offer just as long as the figure, you know, the figure that, that works for me in terms of, you know, an all out money deal or, or leaving a 10 K in deal or something like that. So going forward, yeah, like I'll, I'll be going up this weekend, might not offer on every single one, but certainly will be placing offers on a, a much higher percentage, ideally 50% or more, um, depending on whether they meet my figures or not, but even if they don't, putting the offer in that, that works with my figures so yeah yeah because i think a lot of people think that like even if you're going to put an offer in that might be like 50 grand below the asking price that you know it's cheeky or the estate is just going to laugh you off or whatever but 
in my mind, it's like, th- that's what that property is worth to me. So that's my offer. It's on the table. I'll leave it on the table. And if they don't, if they want to take it, they can take it. At the end of the day, you're forcing them to make a decision of yes or no. Whereas if you don't offer anything, then they're not even making a decision. So, and they might not ever know. And you just, in my experience, you all it takes is to catch the vendor at the right time when maybe they've had seven or 10 offers of exactly the same sort of level of money. And it might just be your offer that comes in on time when they go, but you know what? Maybe this is the value of this property. And we've been here for like six months now. Should we just take this offer and get rid? And, you know, and you just never know. So, um, and, you know, whatever the estate agents say, it is, you know, their obligation to present that offer to the vendor. Now, I know some probably don't, um, but, you know, technically they are obliged to do it. Um, but for me, it's, um, we. I, I recall one deal where, I was skiing with my dad in France and the phone rang and I was like, you know, answered the phone and then um, they're like, oh, I just let you know you've bought so-and-so. And I was like, which property is that? And they're like, the one you went to look at and this and it. And, and I was like, how much was it again? And they're like, and I was like, all oh, right, yeah. And then I remembered like it was literally a property I did not want. Uh, tenant area wasn't great, you know that. But it was it was fortunes below market value. So I was like, yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah. Let's crack on, you know, yeah. and then got it all wrapped up. So, you know, if you can get them in, um, I personally don't pull out any cash. So if it's a full money out deal plus cashback, I don't. I just like go to the full money out uh, mm-hmm. and just have a lower leverage portfolio. But that deal there could have been probably 15K cash out if I wanted to. Um, Good you know, it was it was cheap. But um, so why, uh, why the Northwest? Uh, I, I looked at multiple areas. I mean, I live down south on the south coast and um, – there aren't many cheap areas down here and the ones that there are they're pretty pretty poor they're not great and um so in terms of yield potential for capital growth in the future i i you know um, live was one of five different areas i did research into and visited and i know that was the one that stuck out for me i saw it i, I think 2018 I, I think this will there'll be a good place to invest and i think now it's starting to get there and other people are you know there's confidence in it now it has all the right fundamentals as a city um but i also look outside of it as well so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um do you want to obviously for the listeners they'll not be able to see but you're currently sat in pretty much what looks like a refurb <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Do you want to explain is that a, have you bought that to flip or move in or what, what's what's the situation with that one uh, a bit of a bit of both actually um so we just sold a flat that we lived in which it can't technically call it a flip because we lived there at the end of the day but um mm. i'm i'm all for the strategy in which you know in our where i live now um buy it move in upgrade it you know do a refurb to it and then move on a year later or two years later as i say it's not technically a flip because using it as a home but um you know, we did that flat and we've just gained 30 grand in equity from the work that we did to that and from being there a little bit so um we bought a bungalow just under uh, the 300 grand mark and we're going to do you know do the same with this we're going to extend it do a full refurb um you'll hate you'll hate this next bit i'm going to i'm going to do a fair amount of it myself and um <laughs> and then um and then yeah the uplift will take on to either buy more by sets or into future uh, move up the ladder a bit more again and, and do the same again okay cool and what's the decision to do it yourself? Um, 
yeah it's a good question i mean i i do actually want to learn certain aspects of it i have learned certain aspects of um basics you know um, um like doing uh tiling and um obviously painting anyone can do that but um basic jobs so obviously i'll get people in to do things like plastering electrics plumbing extension um I just think, you know, I've still, I've still got just enough time in which I can do some of the grunt work and, and uh, get my hands dirty. It'll be probably the last one I do it myself, mm-hmm. um, but it's to keep the cost down a bit as well. But yeah, I know you'll, yeah. you'll disagree with that, that attitude, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am definitely uh, all for like leverage and all means, but listen, I can't hold my hands up and say that I lived by that principle the whole time I've done this because I didn't. You know, I was fitting curtain poles and lock boxes and all sorts in service accommodation units at all, all kinds of hours in the morning. But, um, it, it, you know, lesson learned from that. I, I guess it's probably a bit different being your own house and you, if you're living there whilst you're doing it and you're not sort of saying, I want to sell this in the next three months and, you know, and then kick on, you know, at least – you've got time to, to put it all together. Obviously, I'm, I'm assuming you'd rather not live on a building site forever, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, so it teaches to their own. And, you know, as you said, you know, if you're going to get the experience from it and it's going to help you further down the line and no doubt doing something like that will help you when you're project managing your buy lets even from afar and, you know, the refurbs that are going on there. So, um, you know, everything's, it's not always about disagreeing. It's just uh, everyone's got their own little different way of working. For me, yeah. um, my business has definitely taken a leap forward a lot quicker by getting people to do stuff and allowing me to focus on other areas of the business. Um, mm. You know, so it's it's. But I guess with your time limits, you know, if you can only probably do ten viewings a day or twelve viewings a day. So once you've got them booked in, then effectively your your time is free. So. Um, have you have you ever considered rent to rent as a strategy? I, I have to say it's definitely crossed my mind a couple of times as a way in order to create more cash flow. And I do think it's um, I've never said this before actually. I do think once I've bought you know started to build up my buy to let portfolio a bit more, I and um, I, I will I am going to look to explore the rent to rent model for SA in Brighton um mm-hmm. at some point again i shouldn't be putting an excuse on it but i i really don't think with, with the other things i have got going on i don't have the time to do that right now something I would want to do in a couple of years or a year down the line maybe not in a couple of years uh i think the cash flow from it is is starting to become more important for me to get more cash into my business and yeah. um obviously single single lets really don't do that but um but uh, they're good assets to have and hold on to for the long term. So. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I mean, rent to rent, it is quick cash flow and especially service accommodation as well. There's a bit more stock available than HMO stock. Um, Brighton as an area, you know, let, listen, like as we as we record this, we're in the middle of, of a lockdown number three. But um, as an area, typically year on year, Brighton has, you know, superb summer months where, you know, you will absolutely kill it. And, um the, the lower seasons might not be as good. Um, I'm not sure of the contractor market there, but it's a big enough city, so I'm assuming that there probably is a decent contractor stuff going through. Um, but certainly, I would imagine the summer rates that you can charge will more than outweigh the downtime in the in the winter. Um, and I think the good thing about rent to rent is it, you can you can do it on your doorstep no matter where you live, pretty much. 
you know, unless yeah. obviously you're in Greater great London and you've got the 90 day rule. But for the majority of people, you know, you can do rent to rent on your doorstep, even if the house prices are far greater than what you would want to invest in for yourself. Um, mm. You know, so you can have a good mix of, of the two. But it's been, I, I, I love it as a strategy. I think it's great for cash flow. And, you know, if I was to work out how many buy to let my rent to rent cash flows bought, you know, then you look at it from that point of view rather than just the cash flow, then, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely worth getting into. But I think you've got to be, you've got to be very careful about your analysis of it all. You know, you, yeah. you, a lot of people get into it and <clears throat> they overpay on the rents. They spend fortunes on furniture and then they don't actually make any money out of the whole operation. And obviously that's not the point of a rent to rent. It is <laughs> purely to make money. Um, I guess with a, you know, your owned assets that you've got, even if you take a bit of a hit on the rent every now and then, at least you know you've got like a nice asset probably with 20 grand or more worth of equity sat in it. And, you know, if you ever need to sell it, you can and you've got that money. And, um, you know, so it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's a great strategy. That's so, probably, yeah, go on. I was going to say, that's, prob- that's, that's the main part of the main thing and reason why I've gone for assets first. And that's what I, I've always said, you know, I, I want to build them up first. Um, the the idea of being idea at the moment and it probably isn't coming around anytime soon it's just i think that the yeah, cash is king isn't it in a, in a, in that respect in in terms of wanting me wanting to grow more of a portfolio i have to consider the fact that yeah rent to rent was never something i wanted to do when i started but it maybe should be something that i consider in the future so um, yeah 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 so um Let's just switch the conversation slightly towards marketing and brand building. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the uh, listeners, I, I am obviously massive into this, and I think it's definitely how I've built my business. I'm a big believer if you get attention, you know, you tend to get a lot of action in your business. So has is there a marketing strategy behind your YouTube stuff and everything that you're doing online, or was it kind of like you just started it and now it's grown and you're just rolling with it, or is there a bit of a structure around that as well? Or? It's a bit of both, in all honesty. It's um, so when I started it, it was it was honestly to help, like, and to give back in in a way. It was to sort of say, look, this is what I couldn't find out. Um, the slightly selfish side of that was also like, you know, if I do get some people following me, then someone might be willing to invest in me in the future. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm thankful to say that I do now have a small and short list of, of investors of the YouTube channel. Uh, you know, and I'm about to potentially work with one or two of them. So. Uh, but no, in, nowadays it's more of, I mean, it's actually a, a, another small, you know, it's a revenue stream. So it's, it's for me, it's continuing to build that audience is really important. Um, continuing to build myself as someone in the property industry that's known and, and that people think of, because I think there's nothing, you know, you can never go wrong with building your personal brands because you can take that in so many directions, which I'm already starting to see you know the the amount of networking that has come just from that youtube channel is is crazy as well and people in the past have said to me you know why are you doing a youtube channel around the fact you know around one by to let because that's what i started it around and i said well, it doesn't matter where you are because you're always relatable to someone and for me mm. it's been as i've said it's for me it's that new investor you know i, I can't help someone that's got 10 by to lets and is looking to grow grow quicker but i can help someone who's got zero and looking to get the first one or two so yeah yeah and the so the investors that have come to you from the channel are going to invest to help you get brrs on and and fund your deals yeah yeah 
yeah that's it yeah, yeah so. perfect yeah so um yeah i mean it, it is i think it's a missed opportunity for a lot of people when they don't want to build themselves online um for that exact reason you know you you know you're not you're not doing it for any other reason really and i think you, you definitely didn't start off with the intention of that but if most people knew that you could create a youtube channel post a few videos a week and then all of a sudden you've got investors throwing a few hundred thousand at you to go and buy some property with which ultimately builds your net wealth then yeah. why wouldn't you not do that you know and um it's i actually did something similar with um one of my clients, she never been in property in her life, sort of in the legal game. She came on board, uh, wanted to start a rent-to-SA business. So I was like, right, rather than going out and you know doing the usual, why don't we build a story around this? So from day one, I was like, you just got to go live on Facebook. Like, hi, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what, you know exactly what you've done, uh, but just around trying to find our first SA deal. Because as you say, it's so relevant to a lot of people that are trying to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. And um, and she now like gets four thousand views on every video that she posts, and she has an abundance of landlords wanting to work with her and partner with her. You know, so that was like deal sourcing, but from a total different angle altogether. <laughs> and yeah. um, you know, that is the power of just building up a connection and a personal brand. Um, you know, and I was talking about this couple of days ago on clubhouse with a lot of other business owners not just property and the power of your brand now and being a person is far more than the old school like corporate stamp that you used to you know everyone like the nice logo and the suits and the corporate sort of look now it is like personal people youtube i mean my my um my father-in-law actually said to my son who's seven uh, at christmas um do you want to be a footballer when you grow up and he turned around and said, no, I want to be a YouTuber. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So like, it's like ingrained in them now. You know, like We yeah. all want to be footballers and sports people. Now these kids want to be like YouTubers and gamers and all this sort of stuff. And um, if I have my way, I'll be going on the sports field. But you know, <laughs> it, it wasn't anyway. So, uh, so yeah. So what um, – is there any plans – like, have you got any long-term plans? I mean, you know, I, I get you just in, in one of you. Where do you want to be like 12 months from now? Do you want to have a certain number in your portfolio? Obviously, you've got these investors that want to work with you. So are they almost like putting targets around your head and saying, we do need this money investing, we need to get going? Is there any sort of pressure from anywhere? You know, how's that going to look for the next 12 months for you? No, I mean, I'm quite lucky in terms of the investors. They're very supportive and um, they're almost quite fresh and, and new to the industry as well. They're they're just, they're thankful for, I guess, because I'm going to teach them and take them through the whole process because they want to perhaps after work with me go off and do their own. Um, so I don't feel a time pressure on that, it's, but it's actually the more my own pressure that I'm putting on myself because I would like to, you know, buy a couple more buy lets in the next year. I'd like to... Yeah, I really, I guess, um, see, and you know, um, a year of growth for me all round. So whether it's the YouTube channel, you know, my buy to let properties, um, and just me as a figure in the property industry, I would just want that to have another successful year. Um, I do. Pro- I am probably going to do a, a couple of years of literally just buying buy to lets because I think until I've nailed that strategy, until I've gone, you know, and done multiple successful deals before I start thinking about doing as I've mentioned earlier, like rent to rent and stuff, 
because I think, you know, I know you do all of them, but it's because you obviously you're very talented and, and you've got a team in order to help you find all of those different types mm. and styles of strategy. Whereas until I've nailed one of them, I won't feel confident to go on to the next one and then the next one. So in an ideal world, I would scale, you know, sorry, do two by selects this year and make sure I'm doing that really efficiently. And then next year, maybe it's four. And then, you know, and um, I guess I could set myself bigger targets, but uh, with everything, as I say, I've got this refurb going on. I've got my full-time job. Um, I've got a couple of little side businesses as well that I do. Um, I think it's more sensible for me to set something that's realistic but it's also yeah. still going to push me to to get up there more. I work with one or two people as well, which any deals I don't buy because if I'm going up to Northwest regularly and I start having more than one offer accepted at a time, I I work with I've got one or two people which I will be passing those deals off to um, because they live out of the air and they uh, want some help doing so. Not saying I'm going to become a source, but it just <laughs> makes those those trips really worthwhile for me if I know that I if I can't buy them all, I can pass them off to someone just for a small fee. Yeah, yeah. Now it's, you know, at the end of the day, if you've invested your time, you might as well get paid for it. You know, it's um, it, there's plenty of people out there that will buy good deals. So uh, how old are you now? 28. 28. Look about 16. Look about 16. <laughs> Mate, I wouldn't knock it. It's better than looking like 40. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, no, fair play. Well, millionaire by 30, I reckon. Yeah, get the foot on the gas and uh, and get going. So um, just as we wrap up here, um, you know, would you like to ask me any questions or have you got any like really top tips for any of the listeners? You know, we have a wide range of rent to renters, BRRs, newbies, you know, experienced people. So uh, anything you can share to help, um, you know, would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I've shared the things that I do in terms of, I've actually, whilst I'm here, you know, would love to ask you a couple of questions kind of around what I've covered. I, I've obviously listened to you on several shows and different things, but I don't know if I fully know how you got into it. I mean, if you were getting into it now, for example, completely fresh face, zero properties, would you go rent to rent? Would you go buy to let? Um, which which route would you take it? And um, yeah, be interested to hear a bit more on that. Yeah, so I think for me, it comes as, a depending on how much money you've got to start off with i think that's crucial to probably where you're going to start you know you obviously had a bit of a nest egg somewhere or someone was backing you to be able to go buy that first property or maybe you know saved it from your job whatever it was um some people don't have that luxury so they have to do it a different way what i would do is even if i had enough to do a, a brr with i would attack the brr and the rent to rent game at the same time because it moves so much quicker. So I was just doing the single let stuff, you know, a bit like yourself. It's great. It's good for long-term. Cash flow is not the best on the ASTs. But then I um, fell into Airbnb by accident. And I then realized that I, I actually fell into rent to rent by accident as well. So, but then what I realized is you can add cash flow into your business quickly through rent to rent which funds your asset purchases, which means you can buy more assets per year. And it's all really, because the extra strategy is the same. You know, obviously you can't do a rent to rent on an AST, but for me, I was doing serviced accommodation. So all I, whether I rented them and did serviced accommodation or owned them and did serviced accommodation, the end result of how I ran it was exactly the same. 
So I just, you know, went hell for leather on the rent to rent stuff. And then that naturally diverted into managed stuff for people, um, you know, as we became more well-known and, you know, did a great job for people and people could see what we were doing. Then they wanted their stuff managing. And and then just all the time, just bubbling away with the little bite lets, still do them now, you know, still buying the single lets. You know, the lenders like to see the sort of stability of that side of the portfolio as well. So as you get, yeah. as you grow, you've got to start like appealing to them as well, no matter what yeah. strategies you want to do. And, um, but yeah, it was, so if I was starting again, I would do, I, I would, if I had the money, I would get, do what you've done, get into BRR as, yeah. as, as soon as you could. But if you also then still had a bit of pot of money to be able to maybe start delving into rent to rent at the same time, obviously the setup costs are so much lower Then I would start doing that as well. And I just yeah. run them in tandem. And then as you get to like, I think I was at like, you know, as you get to about five rent to rent properties, obviously on service accommodation strategy, um, HMO is not as intense, but you then start to build a team around yourself. So you come out of the operations of it all. And then yeah. you start to like run the business rather than work in the business. And that, that then just led to more acquisitions and then they just get put into the setup phase and then the team set them up and run them. And you just constant, constantly looking at acquisitions, meeting with investors, trying to get investor money, um, working with investors, giving them great returns, and ultimately just building both sides of the business up. Um, so that's that would be my advice. Um, it's it were some things. Some people don't want to do rent to rent. Like they think, oh well, you know, your landlord could pull the rug from under you at any time or whatever, and that is true. However. I do genuinely believe that what we offer to a landlord is far better than any tenant can offer. You know, we clean the property twice a week. We pay for any guest damage and fix it. You know, we never bother them. Uh, the rent gets paid every month. So why is a landlord want to like take that away from himself and put a tenant in there who can potentially, well, nowadays pay nothing for six months and still get away with it. And there's all sorts of yeah. other rules coming in and I think it's only going to get worse. So, um, so I think if you do a great job and you honor what you say you're going to do for the landlords, not only do you get one property, you end up working with a portfolio of landlords and you get multiple. So the, you can only earn so much from one unit, right? So to earn more cash flow in your business, you've got to get more units. Um, and, um, you know, and I've just taken this exact same model over to Dubai and we're speaking to landlords. We're talking to their pain points. You know, there's so many towers out there with beautiful flats that are empty and they're empty for months and months. They're paying high service charges. So, you know, we go along and we're like, we do this and we need that, but we're going to pay you this and it's a long-term thing. And they're like, this sounds amazing. Like, you know, <laughs> and they don't really have the troubled tenants probably as much as we do. And uh, yeah. the refurb costs are a bit less, but at the same time, they've still got the void element. So it's solving a problem for them. and. Um, we can make the numbers work for us, it works for them. It's a win-win situation. Everyone's happy. And, you know, why would they in 12 months' time turn around and say, oh, by the way, I want to kick you out and I'm going to risk finding a tenant, having void months, you know, and it's just um, – so, yeah, so so that would be my advice if I was starting off again. Yeah, no, I love it. Thank you. And in, in terms of – I mean, from my perspective, as someone that's obviously still getting started – 
I enjoy watching your channel because I like the way that you put a business spin on it. You know, whilst I am doing things like the refurb here and doing things which aren't best for my time, as I take on more and more, I'm always looking to make improvements. It's even things like I watched a video of yours, which is on, you know, KPIs for your business. It was one mm -hmm. you did quite a, a while back now, but I really enjoyed that one. And I created spreadsheet similar to that off the back of that video, which I now use. If you were me or if you're, you know, someone like me who's got one by to let and is going to be growing up to um, three, four, five, you know, and up to 10 in the next few years, what's the first thing that you would systemize or what's the first thing that you, maybe what's the first employee you might bring on but is there anything in particular you could advice you can give on that yeah so any um so my my core principle of my business is acquiring property for cash flow so yeah if anybody if any tasks stop the so at the first that that's me right when i first started out it was me going out there like you are you're going up to liverpool you're doing your viewings you're making your offers that task there is is acquiring property for cash flow that's that's the task you've got to do now yeah. what will happen as you build you'll start getting your time sucked up by operations especially if you go into a super rent strategy that is a bit more time consuming you know, there's more moving parts to it um, and then what you'll find is you cannot do everything. So you might only be able to then get up there for one day a week because you've only maybe booked in 10 viewings because your operational tasks have taken up your time, you know, bookkeeping, reconciling payments, sorting out tenant issues, you know, uh, checking guests in or managing guests, whatever it might be. And then you find that your business then starts to plateau and you don't really go further. So what I do, and I still do it now, is every evening I'll write down on a bit of paper, like, what are the uh, tasks today that haven't fulfilled acquiring properties for cash flow? Paying wages, speaking with so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da. And when I've got a list big enough, that's a job role for someone. And then you just take them on, and you can take them on as a VA. You don't necessarily need to employ them on 25 grand a year or whatever. You can just be like, I need three hours a week to do these tasks, and you're going to just shoot a loom video and show someone how to do it. And then they work with you and they're inside your business and you build a relationship. And over time, you're more than likely to give them more hours as your portfolio grows. They'll get interested in the business. And, you know, they do probably end up being a full-time employee, but at the beginning, they're not. And um, so I, I, I'm religious now on, like, SOPs, so standard operating procedures. Um, so once any administration-type stuff, so say for your buy-a-lets, for example, once it's acquired, what happens next? And you want to have that on a document. And that could be a case of like setting the council tax up. How do you do it? You know, shoot a limb video or put the links to however they do it. You know, um, how do you set the utilities up during the refurb? How, you know, so how do you track all this stuff? Um, you know, I've just recently had one of my SOPs fail. I got fined for not applying for a selective license in one of our areas. So I had a phone call just for Christmas. It was literally the week of Christmas. Thank you very much. I got read my rights. Because it's a criminal offense. The guy was like, I'm going to have to read your rights. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> and um, he's like, you do realize you've got a property in a licensed area. I haven't got a license for it. I was like, I don't realize, but, you know, what do I need to do to sort it out? Um, yeah. And it was just a case of, you know, we scaled, you know, quickly last year. We scaled big last year and it slipped through the nest. No one set it up. And, you know, ultimately it's my responsibility because I'm the owner. So instead of 550, it's cost me a grand. 
and I've got to go for an interview, which is going to be a bit like a, a sort of criminal investigation. But uh, I'm sure it will come to nothing because I've paid. I've got the license in place now, and it was sorted immediately. But, you know, that, that's a breakdown in one of my SOPs. So I now go back mm -hmm. to that and be like, right, how can I make sure that never happens again? Um, yeah. But it's, it's like having those documents in place so that you're not chasing your tail as you grow. So yeah. do it yeah, at yeah. the beginning, you know, do it now. Like everything you do, like you're doing on your YouTube videos, do the same for your business. Just step by step, what am I doing? You know, and just think if I wasn't doing this, someone else has got to do it. How do they do it? And just document it all, save it on Google Docs, Google Sheets, whatever it is. And then when you take someone on, you're just like, there's the Loom video file or there's the Google Doc. That's how you do XYZ. Uh, so you'd start, literally, you'd literally start now and just record the things that I do and... 100%. Yeah. And once it's done, it's done. Save them in a, a Loom video or a Vimeo account. And then it's just done. And any recruiting that you do, you just pass it straight over to them. And and it's done. And it's done forever as well, unless there's massive changes in the way things happen. But it's done for, yeah. for forever. So um, really, really good way to save your time. Yeah. No, actually, that's incredibly good advice. And that, that really feeds into the way my brain works and I've been, as I say I've enjoyed the one the videos in which you've talked about that side of things because I think yeah. there's a lot of investors that create videos or create content as I say about oh this is how I've managed to get 10 by to let's or here's a development I've done but no one's saying this is how you systemize it or this is the, the in-depth side of things which is exactly how I've managed to grow a channel from the for the beginners you're doing it for the kind of intermediate to to bigger people aren't you so uh to, to yeah, larger i think a lot of people are out there miss the point that property is actually a business you yeah. know it, it's not just a hobby so like like if you went to like if you go to an apple shop today as a manager right you get recruited i guarantee you've got fill an end of day reporting which has statistics on how many customers you've seen how many phones you've sold how many upsells you've had da 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 and that'll go into apple's head office and they'll be tracking them numbers and they'll know how your store's performing. You know, why should the property business be any different? You know, I speak to sure. people. I'm like, how, how, how's your service accommodation units doing? Yeah, they're doing all right. I'm like, well, don't you know, like, each unit, how profitable each one is? Like, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I just get all the payments in my bank account. My bank account looks all right at the minute. So, obviously, they're doing all right. And you're like, how can you run your business that way? Like, that's not a scalable business model. So, yeah. you, you yeah. know, we are in the game of, of property. We are in the game of business. So, KPIs operating procedures teams um you know marketing brand development all that sort of stuff sales prospecting follow-up all that type of thing should be in your property business and if it's not start implementing it and do it as early as you possibly can yeah yeah massively agree i mean I, and i've i've worked um you covered on sales there i've worked in a few sales roles in a stage for fact um yeah i think that you can never um what's the word educate yourself enough even if that is going completely separate for property and and learning about sales or learning about you know managing how to manage a business and so on because those skills are always going to um benefit you aren't you and, and as you yeah. say run it like a property business then all of those yeah. things are going to come into play aren't they so. yeah i've had i've had five i've had five mentors in the last five years and not one of them's been in property it's all been business stuff you know, so That's it's all like marketing, business, brand development, sales, things like that. And because yeah. they're the core elements of, a, of running a business, property is just the product. If we're selling toothbrushes, we'd still need to run a business. So it's just <laughs> the product um, and how we spin it. Yet so many people focus on 
I just need to get the knowledge and all of a sudden I'll be a successful business owner. Well, knowledge isn't going to make you a successful business owner. You know, there's a lot more <laughs> involved in it and how to run businesses, how to control your accounts and things like that. But for me, and you've, you, you've, you've nailed it already. Like marketing and brand development is like so powerful. Like your YouTube channel could be 50 K subscribers this time next year. You know, that will open so many more doors for you by yeah. focusing oh, yeah. on yeah. your brand development and your marketing of that channel you know, hone in on your niche and, and, and push push it when it's working. I've kind of done that on Facebook and, you know, and it, and it works. So, um, so yeah, listen, Justin, uh, um, awesome chat. I'm sure the listeners are going to love it and um, I'm sure we'll connect a bit further. Um, probably see you on Clubhouse, no doubt. <laughs> and, no doubt. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm sure we'll get together at some, some point in the future as well. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Massively, no massively appreciate the opportunity. And uh, have a good afternoon, Ryan. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. Thank you.